Hi guys, welcome back to Reality Bites, a podcast about sex, love, relationships, and dating in the digital age. I'm your host, Courtney Kosak, and my guest today is Jane Marie. She's the host of the Tinder podcast, DTR, music supervisor at This American Life, and a writer whose work I absolutely love to follow. She wrote this amazing post-baby essay for Jezebel a couple years ago, which we're going to get deep into. Um, and we're also going to talk about a bunch of other fun things, like her type, how she met her current partner, and all the shit people don't tell you before you have a baby. It's a fucking conspiracy. Anyway, hope you guys have as much fun as I did. You guys, I am so excited to be here with Jane Marie. She's a writer. She's the host of Tinder's DTR podcast. Um, and the author of my favorite internet article of all time, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Um, so yeah, let's just jump right in and get a, stat- a status on you. A few months ago on the DTR podcast, you said you were in a relationship. Is that, are it's you still? It's still going. It's still going. Yeah, and we started a business together. What? I know. So <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we find ourselves, the two of us, being like, I think they're moving a little fast, don't you? About friends of ours that yeah. are getting married or buying houses or whatever. And then we're like, we, we started a business after about six months of dating. Like this is yeah. way more serious than having a kid. You know, but yeah, we're still together. It's great. That's awesome. It's been almost a year. Almost a year. Yeah. I'm just moved in with my boyfriend after nine months is being generous. Yeah. Yeah. Just jump right in. Gonna do that because we have kids. We each have a kid, and if I'm being perfectly honest, like it's going so well that I just don't want to do anything. Yeah. That I've and plus I've been divorced twice now, Uh and it's just like. I don't need anything else from a relationship. Like, I'm, uh-huh. I've done it. I've uh-huh. had the weddings. I've had the child. Like, it's fine. You just want to be blissful and, like, yes. have your space. Let's have it just be what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's actually, I feel really proud that it's been a year because I usually, I'm just now starting to do all of the, like, neurotic sabotaging oh, crap that I After I've a year? Used. I know. I usually do it the first month. That's I usually great. Do, like, dive right into, like, my horrible habits. Uh-huh. But I've lasted like a full year. <laughs> that's awesome. I feel better about mine too. I'm like starting to be like, no, that's that's your own thing. You yep. just need to. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, as I was driving over here, I was like, am I going to talk about my relationship? And then I was, I thought maybe a little, but also for the first time, I like really respect my partner. Yeah. <laughs> so I respect his privacy. Yeah. I don't want to. Which in the past I would just be like, blah, 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 here's uh-huh. what his bottle looks like or whatever. Uh-huh. And now it's like, well, I don't know, I don't need to go there. <laughs> oh, I love that. I mean, yeah, even though you're closing up on my podcast, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did you guys meet? We met at this dinner, at this work dinner. Um, so he had just quit a career that I... I'm the last person on earth that knows what his job was before. He mm-hmm. was a rock star. <laughs> oh, my. And I didn't know his bands. I mean, I'd heard of them in passing and, like... Would I probably know his bands? Definitely. Okay. Um, and that's what everyone else says <laughs> when I tell them what band it is. But it's, like, the band... The couple of bands that he was in, the names were just, like, an immediate no for me. I was uh-huh. like, I will never listen uh-huh. to that band for, for sure. Because they sounded, like, too emo or something. Right, right, right. But anyway, he had quit this career for, and he started in public radio. So we met at a public radio dinner, which is for me the very last place on earth that I would right. ever think that I would fall in love. Not no offense to the public radio community. That's so funny. <laughs> I worked in her, I worked in that world for like 15 years and never had an affair in that world, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but when he came, he was late to the dinner and when he walked in, I was like I looked at him, and for me, it was, like, love at first sight, but I looked at him, and I was like, fuck, I'm going to have to date, like, a bartender in West Hollywood. I thought he was working <laughs> at the restaurant. Rock stars and bartenders in West Hollywood look remarkably similar. They, yeah, there was just a thing about him, and I was like, oh, wait, what, what if he's a bar back in West Hollywood? Like, I was just like, the gears were already moving, uh, where I was just like, I'm not sure I can do this. I don't know if I want to make the commute, and but I was, like, in love already, and I hadn't even spoken to him. Um, but luckily, he came and sat down next to me. That's how it went. That's great. Yeah, if I and had to ask him out, he didn't. He didn't like me. Well, he says he did. He, we're, we kind of disagree about whether he liked me. What? <laughs> you disagree with him? He, he's like, no, I liked you. I just wasn't in the headspace of like 
wanting a relationship. That's and legit. I'm like, I just feel yeah. like we've heard that as like kiss off lines from guys so much that yeah, like, it's like well, okay. But anyway, I emailed him a week later and asked him out, and it was, and it's been fine. Great. It's been fine. Yeah. <laughs> I love uh, Andrew T, who's been uh, he's One of amazing. My best friends in the world. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's been a guest on this podcast, and he was uh, on your last. He was on episode DTR. of your first season. Yeah, when we did the Tinder takeover. I laughed so hard when he was like, call, he was calling you out and he was like, Jay Marie, you've never dated anyone that doesn't look like they haven't pushed somebody in a locker. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, and, and yeah, he's like, like, or they no. haven't won a fight. And I'm like, well, yeah, yes and no. Like I did, I will say, no, I was going to say maybe my last husband doesn't look like that, but he does have a reputation that might, like, he could probably maybe I would maybe say be he a, looks a little bit like, like he could have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what do you know? I mean, I have a, I have a type. <laughs> Is the current guy. My current guy has the most scars. Oh. From that sort of stuff. But he's not a jerk. He wouldn't be the one that pushed a person in a locker, but like he might have been pushed in a locker okay. and then pushed over the edge <laughs> to like do something back. Okay. He's a real sweetheart. All right. But he can defend himself. I and his answer a lot of times when I'm, like, having trouble with anything is, like, they should meet me. <laughs> just <laughs> for intimidation just factor? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> but, yeah, Andrew T's great. And he – we're doing – on the second season, we're going to do a lot more Tinder takeovers. Which I'm I excited about. It was so much fun. It was, like, the best part of – for me, even when I was on Tinder, it was, like, that was – just the being, like, yeah. really bitchy and judgy about everybody – that yeah, was with the your most friends? fun. Yes. yes. It's yes. the best. Like, and oh. you guys, your chemistry is so funny. So that's, I, yes. We've known I'm each other board. for a really long time. <laughs> yeah. What else do you think are like the type, as, uh, qualities of the type of dude that you typically go for? Uh, okay. Are there similarities? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd say like just, to the left of like MS thirteen, <laughs> like I, I don't know, not necessarily like face tattoos. Although if they, I wouldn't mind it, but that hasn't come up yet. But I like like, I like big dudes, uh-huh. and I like scary looking dudes. Uh-huh. Um, uh, this one has the, has like a heart of gold. Uh-huh. which is not usually what you get mm-hmm. if that's your type. And so before I met him, I was like really, even 10 years ago, I had decided like, I only like monsters. I need to like date a different type mm-hmm. because if somebody looks like up my alley, I'm in for... It's a red flag. Right. Like they <laughs> definitely have a criminal history and whatever. <laughs> or like tons of illegitimate children and, you know, not a, no job and uh-huh. some sort of a substance abuse problem. But um, but no, I got lucky. The whole package. I got lucky on this one um, <laughs> where I think he, he collected that stuff a very long time ago. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, he, he's a sweetheart. Oh my gosh, I feel bad talking about him so much. But, no, yeah, like, but you're my, saying very nice things. Okay. <laughs> but my type in the past has been like kind of gnarly dudes like mm-hmm. I don't know why if I think about it it probably has something to do with my dad mm-hmm. as everything does mm-hmm. you know um my my dad would have been a more gnarly dude if he hadn't been raised like super Christian mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um yeah I I like like big you girly. like a rough one I do I yeah, do and I, I don't it. care what color they are and I don't care how old they are and I don't care how fat they are I just want him to, you know who my dream guy celebrity is? Uh huh. Let's hear it. Fat Eric Bana from when he was in Chopper. <laughs> Do you remember Chopper? No. He's so. Oh man. I mean, I can imagine based on current Eric Bana. <sighs> no, he was like a, maybe eighty pounds heavier and was like covered in really horrible like um, prison tat- tattoos and. It's based on a true story. And I, the real guy I don't really like so much, but the fat Eric Vanna version of him when he was in the movie is, yeah. He Amazing. got shanked like 50 times in this one scene, and he was just like still standing there. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'll take that guy. Yeah. 
Um, how, okay, so the, the process of producing a podcast for Tinder, like how, yeah. do they give you some creative control? Oh yeah, yeah, a lot actually. I mean, we didn't really? know that in the beginning because, um, so this is with um, Gimlet Creative. Mm-hmm. So they're the branded arm of, mm-hmm. of Gimlet. And um, the other podcast that they have done, that they had done before the Tinder one, um, the host was just like a host that would come in and kind of read the script. I think mm-hmm. they, you mm-hmm. know, put stuff in their own words mm-hmm. at times, but we weren't sure when we started last season how much I would be doing on the creative end. And mm-hmm. I think it was a mixture of my like type A personality and like having been a radio producer for a long time, kind of elbowing my way in there. And then also just having a really open team on Gimlet's side that wasn't yeah, they seemed great. Yeah, they were awesome, and they weren't, they weren't, they liked collaborating. So that was, I felt mm-hmm. really lucky because it, it could have gone a very different way, where they would have been like, "Get out of the room! This is our podcast. <laughs> Just read the words, lady." You know, and instead it was very collaborative. So it, that was really nice. Yeah, that's great. And then it doesn't like have. I mean, when I listened, I, I didn't feel like Tinder's fingerprints like all over it. No, which is is it good for them, honestly. Yeah. I mean, and that was something we had to discuss way before we even started production. And they were really open from the very beginning to just making it a real show mm-hmm. and like something people would actually want to listen to and not yeah. just like, Tinder is great. Mm-hmm. You know, and swiping, swipe, 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 <laughs> swipe away, everybody. Um, no, they were like, we want real stories and we wanted to sound like a real show. And I thought, great, because that's the only thing that I want to make yeah. is a real show. Same thing with Gimlet. So um, they gave us tons of control. I think the only things they, like, were not cool with were, like, you know, just talking about all the awful people that are on the Internet and using dating apps. Like... And, and that's it's not, not even interesting to dating apps. It's like there are just right. terrible people on the internet. Exactly. Go on YouTube. Exactly. <laughs> and those aren't even interesting stories for the most part. They're yeah. tragic, if anything. But like, there's not a lot to explore with like trolls mm-hmm. or like creepy men. Mm-hmm. Like, who cares? Go away. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. So, yeah, they really let us do kind of whatever we wanted. It was really nice. Um, so, so you have a baby with your. Last ex, yeah, my second husband. Yeah, <laughs> I can I first of all can I tell you, <laughs> I, my toddler pictures look just like your baby's pictures. Yeah, Not I can to see be it. a creepy. No, but I, can I, see I looked it. up your Insta and I was like, oh my god. Well, I'm so happy because you're so pretty. That's gonna be great <laughs> for her. She has a wonderful life ahead of her. Oh. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, she's still so terrible. Sweet. <laughs> um, I love so two. Almost two years ago, you wrote the coolest, most open feminist article for Jezebel. It was called uh, Giving Birth Ruined My Vagina, so I got a new one. Right. Um, I remember, I like remember, it's like after, I know, I remember the moment after Princess, I found out Princess Di died, and I remember the moment really specifically after I read that article, (laughs) and I was like talking to my writing partner, and we were both just like, this is the best shit ever. (laughs) This is the best. Nobody talks about this. And it's so important. It's it's like a big deal. It's really infuriating that no one talks about it. There's so much stuff with giving birth that I didn't find out until the day after I gave birth. And they make you take classes, right? So you're taking classes and all these moms just can't wait to impart all this information. And then once I did it, there all this stuff came up the next day where I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, you they didn't were tell like, me. Oh, yeah, 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 that oh, too. Oh, yeah, that too. And I was like, well, couldn't anyone have said something? Like, this is pretty gnarly what's happening right now. Like, you have to do this. I'm sorry, but there's this. No, please. So when I, so I tore like crazy, as you read uh-huh. in the article. And, um, and I mean, this isn't like, you could probably imagine, but again, I could have had somebody tell me this beforehand. Right. But like, how are you going to take a shit, right? You got stitches like everywhere. Oh, God. So you have to take stool softeners, and then every time you go to the bathroom, well, first of all, you have to wear, like, these crazy disposable giant underwear with, like, their diapers, adult diapers, basically, for the longest time, because, like, all this stuff is falling out for two weeks afterwards. For, like, two weeks. You're just, like, goop is, like, coming out of you. And then um, when you go to the bathroom, they give you this spray bottle, this water bottle, and you have to, like, spray it on your vagina while a pee comes out so that the pee doesn't sting your cuts. No. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or pee in the tub or something where there's like water 
because or in the shower because it hurts so bad. I bet even if I you didn't like tear, it would hurt. I feel like that's a key thing that they need to tell you. It was utter bullshit. Or um, I had like almost two black eyes from pushing. Like my eyes were really, really swollen and um, and I, all the capillaries had been broken from all the pushing. So I looked like I'd just been in a fight, you know. It, there was just stuff like that that kept coming up where I was like, this would be way more useful information than like breathe breathe uh-huh. you know which never that none of that helped right and some my doula was like so if you want to see what it's kind of like what a pain what the pain of childbirth is like you know contractions um hold an ice cube in your hand and just let's see how long you can hold that ice cube what yeah that was the practice for like similar. tolerating pain oh i was like i can tolerate i have tattoos like i can tolerate pain it was nothing like that it was like I was breaking into a million pieces is what it felt like it was not like holding a piece of ice but and then then the after effects were just super super gnarly I've always had that like I have this fear of giving birth I'm not sure if it'll happen for me or not like you know I don't know I haven't totally written it off but I have always had this fear that I'm like women are not being honest as they're honest not. as they should be about this. It's like they want you to join the club and then you get in it and yeah. then they're like, ha. I agree. <laughs> I mean, well, so I I talked to my therapist about this at the time and she was like, oh, yeah, they're all lying. Like, they're all lying. And I think in hindsight, what happens, and this is just a guess. I have no evidence for uh-huh. this. But I, you know how they say, like, oh, you forget the pain of childbirth and then you go do it again and it's fine and whatever. I think they're... I'm get this is like I am not a doctor <laughs> or a psychologist or a scientist. Yes, me neither. Let's do this. <laughs> so, my theory um, is that is that uh, when you get pregnant with your second child, your memory gets erased, but it's not until then that it happens. Like I think. After the first one, you can fully remember how uh-huh. horrible it was, but uh-huh. in order for you to have the second one and not just like get rid of it right away you you get like a memory wipe as biologically and then and then and then that just happens every time you get pregnant after the first time but I think like I've spoken to more mothers of one who are very Uh they remember like very clearly how awful it was but people that have more than one kid are like well you know it just kind of flies out the second time and it's super and you're just like yeah but don't you remember what happened the first time you told me the whole story Oh, God. I know. I think it's also got to be a biological drive, right, to lie about it? Yeah. Otherwise, nobody would do it. And maybe a few bitches get by without a super traumatic and experience. And they can shut but- up. They can <laughs> shut the fuck up. I, when that article went on Facebook, this girl came at me. I will tell you her name when we're off the air. This girl came at me about how um, – if we were more on, she doesn't have kids, by the way. This uh. is a single lady with no kids. She was like, if we were more honest about the um, the about natural birth and like the beauty of it and whatever, um, and we could talk about it more openly, you would have exercised your pelvic floor more, oh and my you would God. not have had a birth injury. And I just wanted to be like, I didn't respond to her, but I wanted to be like, my pelvic floor, first of all, is what got me pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I exercised every day, and my pelvic floor is also what got that thing out of me because she didn't want to come out, and I pushed for four hours, and my pelvic floor got her out. Yeah. Like, if I didn't have a really strong pelvic floor, I, she would still be yeah. in there. So And you know not, not you what know you speak of. nothing about me and my no. vagina. And I just go back and read the article again, you know? You don't need yeah. to fight me about, like, that I somehow got duped by, like, the medical industrial complex into having my vagina ripped open no you said in the article it says 30 percent of women who gave birth who give birth vaginally have these same kind of uh-huh. you had serious you like could not feel your vagina when you were working out uh-uh. you, <laughs> i uh-uh. love that the straw that broke the camel's back was that you peed your pants at coachella and I you know, were like i was like way <laughs> over by the <laughs> little t- the, you know where the three the go- mojave gobi tent or what okay so it's like on one side of the uh-huh. thing and i the I was there with a friend who was performing, so I had like a pass to use the nice bathrooms uh-huh. in the backstage area, which is c- clear on the other side. And so I noticed because I'd been drinking wine, <laughs> I like noticed that I had to pee. And it's probably like a ten minute walk 
and I couldn't make it. So then I just had to like, well, I went anyway and finished in the bathroom, but then I just had to kind of like stay in the crowd, you know, until it dried. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah, it was horrible. It was not, and that's when I was just like, I can't do this forever. I feel like. I mean, I know I can't go to Coachella forever. That's for sure. I didn't go this year, (laughs) but you know, like Walmart's that big. Or yeah. Home Depot. How am I going to get from the nursery at Home Depot over to the bathroom? That's what's so crazy about <laughs> like, it, okay, so it cost 10 k and not covered by insurance? Not a bit of it. And um, I read something yesterday, like the new, the, the new healthcare bill um, under the new whatever, whatever Trump care thing. Erectile dysfunction is not considered a pre-existing condition. I, uh, yes. That's it's the that worst. kind of stuff where it's like, I think that there's like really a really specific diagnosis you can get with bladder control that might uh-huh. be covered by some insurances. After you pay for like a million specialists or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it, this is was not a medical problem. But mind you, I'm going to wait for that beeping. <clears throat> We're just, yeah, we... We do it dirty here. Mind you, in that case, I'll just keep talking. Um, (laughs) Mind you, this is the same medical world that also has you go in for an appointment six weeks after you have a baby with your partner, and they tell your partner that they're allowed to put their dick back in you now. Whether you're ready or not? Just all systems go six six weeks. At six weeks, you go in. for It's like a six-week checkup. And the whole point of the six-week checkup is for them to say, She's open for business. I swear to God. That's so weird. It's so, it's horrible. Yeah, so like I wouldn't expect those people to be, you know, sympathetic. It's It's just just crazy that like, yeah, like we'll cover your boner pills. Yep. Not necessary for you to get a boner probably ever again. (laughs) But super necessary. Just in case you want to get somebody pregnant. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And then she's on her own. Women have been doing this since forever. It's like, we need pods, like, to make babies with. (laughs) The fact that every person on earth is made this way. Yeah. And and there's so much trauma involved in it Uh and so little sympathy for the body that gets destroyed by this process. Yeah. You know, and I think there's old-fashioned people that would be like, well, if you did it when you were supposed to, like, when you were 16... Oh, my God. Your body would be fine, you know? But, like, the rest (laughs) of your life, maybe not. I mean, my kid would be out of the house. My kid would be done with college now if I had done it then. (laughs) But you might be struggling to get in. I know. No, I know. Whoa. Um, So, uh, Brandy... What's Glanville. Your, Glanville was your inspo. You yeah, went I just to her doctor. Her. Yeah, I just like Googled like what doctor did she go to and I made an appointment. Was he the shit? Was he like so he pro? Was so nice. You wanna know what he did first exam? Like maybe I wrote this in the article, but he was like when I was had the, my legs in the stirrups and everything and he was getting ready to put the speculum in, he like touched my thigh with the speculum to make uh-huh. sure I knew what temperature it was, which doctors have done before. But he did this thing where he was like it kind of reminds me of that, like, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust uh-huh. me game, you know, where he was like, okay, and I'm touching you here and now I'm going to touch you here and now I'm going to touch you here. You know, he like kind uh-huh. of crept up my leg and it wasn't creepy or flirt. Uh-huh. It was very kind. I was like, thank you for giving me yeah. five seconds of warning before you put your hand up my vagina. Uh-huh. It was so, he was so great. I loved him. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it sounds like in your email, you said working great, right? Uh, as far as I know, yeah, not the back door is a little, little. It's a little more closed, but that might also be from the the stitches that I got during childbirth. I don't think I don't think he touched it, but it's like that's a little tougher these days oh, since so I had my baby. <laughs> no, it's working really good. I've like, I've like um, had I want to say a couple of times I've like leaked when I sneeze, Uh which they say is just kind of, you know, also just getting older. Sure. Um, but nothing like it was before. And I have a lot more feeling there. That's great. And I can like do my fun, like hugging with my muscles down there Uh (laughs) again, just like one of my favorites. That's great. (laughs) That's a good move. Um, yeah, I just, 
I feel like that's like one of the things that, and I think we're making strides in the right direction. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, about just people being honest about their experiences and like what I, I don't know, like widening the spectrum of like what's normal, mm-hmm. even though that's such bullshit. But yeah, you know, making things feel more acceptable. Mm-hmm. And I love, love, love that you wrote that because, fuck, if you have a baby, you deserve to to get it. A new pussy or right. the, the, you know. Yeah. Or it should be, be returned in the condition that it was. <laughs> <laughs> or at least be warned. Yeah. You know, if anyone had said to me, and even my own mother had like some trauma when she had me and was like, whoop-de-doo, you know, and didn't really talk about it in a way that, that I feel, and I love my mom and she was as helpful as she could be, but. You know, I, I she's also had more than one kid, so she had that memory erase yeah. men in black yeah. thing happen to her. But um, I think had I been warned, um, maybe I would have scheduled a C-section uh-huh. or hired a surrogate or adopted or just something. Right, if, I, right. if anyone had said to me, this, we're not kidding, like, this will really mess up your body in a way that makes you incontinent and not be able to enjoy sex and mm-hmm. not be able to do crunches and all this stuff. Like, think about it a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I don't want to say I wouldn't have had my kid, mm-hmm. <laughs> but just being more informed would have been really nice and mm-hmm. nobody wanted to. It's same. I mean, the other thing is the reason I wanted to have a vaginal birth is because I had a bad pap smear at the beginning of my pregnancy. Yeah, I want to talk about that. And um, I... Uh, I, I my doctor had said you know if you give a vaginal if you have her vaginally it could like clear it out whatever mm-hmm. is wrong because we can't go in there and do a biopsy and I'm thinking back I'm like no one said do you want to get a biopsy right I was five weeks pregnant like we had plenty of time to, to pa- right. hit pause on this thing or like you know right like redirect our efforts right. in this moment when it comes back that you might have cancer right. Literally no one mentioned that option. They just said, of course, you're going to have to wait the nine months to get that biopsy. What? Yeah. And it was, yeah. Isn't that weird? And also, yeah, there's another, I mean, because you had to get another procedure. Afterward. Afterward anyway. So it's like, also, here are, here's the other avenue you can take. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, nobody suggested that I that I do anything about it. It was like, that baby's in there and she's going to get fully cooked and then we'll see if you're dying. I was like, what good is that going to do? Fuck. You know? I don't know. I really don't. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't know why we why we don't talk more openly about this stuff. But then again, I'm also somebody that doesn't have a lot of modesty. And maybe that's part of it is people are more yeah, modest. Yeah, there's than... modesty. But there, then there's also just like what feels like lying or like perpetuating these truths that are like, Another, I was so glad you brought this up in our like email, but the HPV thing, it's like literally everyone has had or has HPV. Yep. So why is everyone, like, why is it? And literally everyone has been exposed to herpes type one, at least exposed. And if you don't have it, if you don't get cold sores somewhere on your body, then you are already immune. Right. But you have been exposed. Right. And most people have been exposed to the other kind too. And they're either immune uh-huh. or they're carrier or they're like silent carriers, which is a, the case yeah. with a oh lot my of God. people and with herpes. HPV. People are like more scared of herpes than they are of syphilis. It's crazy. crazy. And yeah. And it's just a, it's the most, it's like, I think it's like more common than the cold or something as far as viruses yeah. go. Like it's everywhere. And I, not to say we all need to be talking about it all the time, but like it shouldn't be shameful. Relax. Yeah. You know, just relax yeah. and enjoy your life. <laughs> and also, oh, so when I was doing, I met my boyfriend on Tinder. Nice. Uh, yeah. Um, when I was doing my, like, kind of rabid Tindering before I met him, yeah. uh, I went to the gynecologist and I got, obviously it's not covered by insurance because I'm like, wait, I'm too old right, as right, far right, as yeah. the, they're concerned. But I got the... Um, Guardia or yeah. GR, what is it called? I don't know. Starts with a G. Yeah. They didn't um, let me get it. I was way too old, too. <laughs> like, way, way, way too old. <laughs> but I did my own internet research and I was like, oh, if I don't have these high risk strains, which I didn't, I can, pr- I could still prevent that. And I would like to pay a couple hundred dollars to take the chance of, like, yeah. hopefully 
not ever getting those. Well, I already had the high high risk one. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I have to just keep on top of it for a long time. I had to get a leap procedure, uh-huh. which is like they they take like a like a red hot poker. Did you <laughs> scrape take, it off? They take it's like a loop and it and they scrape off the front end of your cervix. But then you got a clean okay. pap yep. after that. Yep. When it came in the mail, I was like Oh my god! It's still in my nightstand. Just hung it the up. The mail, yeah. the piece of mail is in my night. I need to, I need to put it in a frame and like hang it somewhere because it's probably the only one I'm ever gonna get. <laughs> I've like never in my life had a clean pap smear. <laughs> That's so funny. And it was like pap negative. What me? Yeah. Me? I feel like I won like <laughs> Miss America or something. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, little old me. Um, but the the shot, it's like, yeah, not everybody has to. Like, I don't expect, you know, it to be covered for literally everyone. But why are we not talking about that you could still get it? I don't know. And, and and yeah, my doctor 10 years ago or whatever, when, 15 years ago when it came out, um, was just like, eh, too late. Like, you you've probably been exposed. It. And she was probably right. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been that picky in the past, but, um, or careful, but, uh, yeah, I do think that it would, it would be, it should be covered by insurance and you should be able to get it at any age. Yeah. Just like, you know, it's, I mean, getting the whooping cough, I learned this when I had a baby that the, the whooping cough, um, what is it? Tdap vaccine. Yeah. When you get it, when you're little, it only lasts for 10 years. Oh. So then you have to get it again when you're older and that's covered. What are the chances you're going to get a whooping cough? Seriously. Like way lower than you're going to get a bad pap smear. Oh, for sure. You know? I don't know. We got our priorities screwed up. Yeah. You know. But, you know, we have a long way to go. We can't be president (laughs) yet. We got a long ways to go. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about uh, the other thing that came up in our our email thread was uh, sexual fluidity. Yeah. Um. Thoughts? Well, I mean, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about it. (laughs) I think is, I just, yeah, I know we talk about this a lot in writing and like, you know, trying to use like Uh non-binary identifiers and stuff. And and I think gender fluidity gets talked about a ton, but sexual fluidity, it feels like there's still a great... um, resistance to the idea that at different times you're attracted to different things yes or yes exactly like yes you could have a type like a a guy who looks like a monster or whatever (laughs) (laughs) hypothetically (laughs) but life is long you know life is so long Uh sometimes Uh if you're lucky and you and you live a million lifetimes as my therapist recently told me in that one life and um it feels very like uh, you know us or them still mm-hmm. like you're mm-hmm. you're either you're either straight or you're gay or you're pretending to be somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. and um i just don't think it's static you yeah. know it doesn't feel in my experience very static it feels very dependent on the person you love and you don't mm-hmm. get to decide who that is Mm-hmm. Unless you let your mom decide or something. <laughs> but if you're just out there feeling your way through the world, like those feelings can come up for all sorts of people, yeah. you know? And um, anyway, I don't, that's. Yeah, that's no, totally. <laughs> I, so I, one of my first early, early jobs in LA was I did this HIV intervention study for uh, USC mm-hmm. and we would go interview people outside these gay nightclubs mm-hmm. and one of the people that I worked with on that study um, was a, a gay man I think is how he would define himself but it was so interesting to watch him over the course of uh, us I don't know it was several months that mm-hmm. we were like doing these surveys and he, it's, it's kind of gender fluidity and sexual fluidity, but he would say he lost a bunch of weight at one point and then mm-hmm. he started dressing in drag. Mm-hmm. And I was like kind of asking him about it. And he was like, I, I have this thing. He's like, I don't really know 
you know, I'm, I'm still like playing with it and I don't think it's anything like I would want to transition or make any like permanent changes. He's like, but when I'm at a heavier weight, I feel more masculine mm. and I want to be fucked as a man. Mm-hmm. And when I'm at a lower weight, it makes me feel more feminine. And he's like, I want to be fucked as a woman. Mm-hmm. And it was just like so interesting that just the change in his like 10 pounds. Yeah. And he would just feel like a different he person. wanted to present as a different yeah I, I i mean i don't know if i've said this out loud other than my partner before but i personally i feel like i choose to present very feminine mm-hmm. um qualities but it's a choice mm-hmm. because i walk around the world if and if there's no mirrors or windows i feel very masculine interesting like I don't and I and when I meet people and talk to them like I don't what I see reflected back is a masculine Uh, uh, I get that sometimes in work too situations because I can be like very uh I don't know typical masculine qualities and I probably shouldn't do what I do with my face and my style and everything because I'm probably throwing people off in a way that makes them uncomfortable (laughs) but but, you know I like heels and I like Uh you know pretty like I I try really don't you can't see my nails on a podcast they're messed up right now and I was so embarrassed about that coming over here but um all I see is red yeah (laughs) so chipped um uh but yeah i I do put a lot of time and, and thought into my appearance in that way. We're mm-hmm. not like, and I mean, maybe I'm vain. I don't know. Um, is it for you or is it for society or for other, or it's people for you want to attract because sexually? I, I don't know. It's so weird. It is a, just a really weird feeling. I feel like it would be a super slippery slope, easy thing for me to just become like, a kind of slobby dude. Yeah, I, f- I get it. <laughs> I get it. You know, there, there I've was... always had short hair. Mm-hmm. Not always. I had long hair for a little while, but I've mo- mostly kept short hair. And it just feels like if I were to just... When I was a, a teenager, I was for sure a dude. Mm-hmm. For a, oh like my a God, girl. chunk of high school. <laughs> like to the point where I had a girlfriend and like I was like oh, short hair and like wore like uh all dickies and carhartt you Uh know and and was just like a little i look back at these pictures i put one on instagram recently i was like this is when i was a teenage boy (laughs) like (laughs) i looked like a boy so but i yeah i just have never i don't know it's so it's so complicated because like i can write that article about my vagina and totally sound like a woman who owns who possesses her Uh femininity but then i do actually consciously present as more feminine than I feel Mm -hmm. that's so interesting I definitely went through a phase uh like early teenage years I definitely had my period at that point but I wasn't having sex Mm -hmm. and I like I don't god it was probably at least like nine months or whatever that I just yeah dressed like a teenage boy like Mm -hmm. it was pure cargo shorts Mm -hmm. No, I was at the age where girls, some girls were wearing makeup and like, like I could have definitely done that if I, but I had no interest in that Mm -hmm. yet. Mm -hmm. And just like interesting to look back on that. And I mean, I, I feel how I present now, Mm -hmm. but I, there is interesting little things about it's hard to unwrap what is timing and what is for society and what is. You know, God, it's such a complicated... And just not having the language for it is a big deal, you know? And I feel like we have more language for it now. Um, And we're just in the the popular culture. Mm -hmm. There's a way to talk about these ideas. But, yeah. They're still presented more in, like, a transparent kind of a way where it's like, oh, this is a a decision that you've come to after feeling this way your whole life and you are now going to make this like firm transition. Whereas there's this huge gray area of like, I just read this article with Ruby Rose and she was like, you know, I'm glad I decided not to transition because of X and Y, but it's like she could have, and I don't mean that in terms (laughs) of actual (laughs) genetics, but you know, she was like, you know, I want to have a baby naturally or whatever. Right, right. 
But it's like, that's a huge gray area that people are still navigating in. And there should be room for that. Yeah. For that gray area. Yeah. And to not have to make a declaration or a decision or, or whatever. Yeah. Like if you uh, f- fuck outside of what seems like your gender preference. Yeah. That that's like okay and not shameful for, you know. Yeah. To talk about or yeah. show up at a party or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Man. <laughs> we, got, we got a little deep at the end. <laughs> sad I just think about my daughter and when I'm thinking about this stuff and I I don't know what you know I'm not the only person in her life Uh obviously and there's a whole world around her and I want her to I just want her to be as confident as she is right now yeah when she's figuring that stuff out as she gets older yeah you know she's funny she's three and this age she's really just trying to figure out like she has a lot of um a lot of pronoun confusion and stuff or she'll be like when I was a boy this oh interesting. or when I'm a man I'm going to da 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 uh-huh and <laughs> the one right now is when I'm a mom I I just I want to be a mom but I don't want hair on my vagina <laughs> <laughs> like why are those two things <laughs> linked in you your head you can do both yeah <laughs> I was like no problem and no problem also you're blonde unlike me so it's not gonna look like the thing you're scared of um <laughs> but, but you know she's like just she's so malleable and like uh-huh. curious and she hasn't she's not shy at all uh-huh. like there's no inhibitions and I just wish that that would stick around yeah you know and I don't know what happens that makes it not Fuck. yeah I think a lot of people go like the only way to make sure that's okay is you homeschool. And then I'm like, well, then we got a whole other set of problems. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> um, has has being a mother changed anything about your dating? Um, <clears throat> when I was on the market <laughs> right. after my divorce um, or after my separation – Well, one thing it changed was I felt like I couldn't get serious with a lot of... I knew I didn't want any more children. Oh, okay. So men that didn't have children, Mm -hmm. I felt like I would be... It would be unfair for Mm -hmm. me to fall in love with them Mm. um, because they didn't know. And men have a lot longer to decide Mm -hmm. whether they want children or not. And I didn't want to tie anyone down with mm-hmm. my decision and then have to go through a breakup when they made their decision, mm-hmm. you know? So there was that for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and then on the plus side, like I was saying earlier, I, I've had my kid and I've been married and it totally takes the pressure off of dating in that way. Mm. If you're with someone who already has a kid or knows that they don't want one or whatever, it's like you're not looking for a milestone. There's no milestone. There's no milestone. Mm-hmm. I guess starting a business, whatever. But <laughs> make one up. Like, well, what else can we do? Build a house? Um, no. But there was no. There's no like. There's no goal. There's no. Uh-huh. You know. And I feel like in the past, there's always been some sort of goal hanging out there. Whether it was, whether it was getting married or moving in together or having a child and or any of those things mm-hmm. it was like you your the early days of dating or like the first year or two is to kind of like test out and walk toward that goal together and see if this is the person you want to make that goal happen with mm-hmm. and now that i've done all of those things in, including having a kid we're just hanging out together i love that <laughs> it's so nice we're just hanging out the goal is that i get to hang out with them again next week yeah, that's the goal, you know, or not. Maybe you, I'll take a vacation or something and not be in town. But, right. you, you know, like the goal is to be nice to each other. Yes. And have sex and have good conversation at dinner and laugh. That's it. Yeah, There's just really, companionship. Really nothing. Um, that's so interesting that you said the your, your first uh, – thing about dating which is that you didn't think that that was fair to potential partners my best friend from college who 
she was like mid twenties, had her her baby, and she is like done. Mm-hmm. And she felt she said the same thing when last time I saw her a couple months ago. She was just like, "Yeah, it just changes." You know, it's like I already know that for myself. So, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, I would meet really sweet guys, and you know, like in their mid thirties or whatever, and I would just think, first of all on the scale of when you're able to have kids, you are like in the beginning, yeah. you know, like yeah. you've got 40 years left to make this choice and you're so sweet. And I don't want it also, you know, I'm making a decision for two people now too. That's mm-hmm. the other thing. So mm-hmm. I'm choosing my partner, not just for me, but for my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to cause her any more heartbreak or separation than is necessary in yeah. life. I know that there's a lot that's just there, but I don't want to, make it worse than it already is going to be so in thinking about that like yeah you're a guy who's 33 as cute as they can be it's just like you don't know what you want to do yeah and I do uh-huh. and that's just always going to be how we started and yeah. I don't want that to be how we started and I don't ever want to feel I know a couple of people who got married um to partners who did not want children and they married them anyway and said, okay, well, we won't have children. We'll have, like, a vacation home or whatever, uh-huh. you know, some, a dog. And they've separated. Both the two couples that I'm thinking of are not together anymore. And it's like, oh, but, like, after, kind of after it's too late to, like, go back yeah. on that decision, you because know? Because of that sticking point issue? That's not the separation, but, you know, you come, you make the decision like, okay, instead of having a child, I'm going to be with this person. And then what if you aren't with that person? And then you've, now you're 50 and you didn't have a kid. Yeah. It's just gnarly. Like, I didn't want to do that to anybody. Fuck. Is it easier to date other people with kids? Because they sort of get it. My boyfriend now is the only person. That's a lie. I actually dated people with adult children. Mm. Um, But, uh. Uh, my boyfriend now is the only person that I dated with like a small child Mm -hmm. um, since I was single and easier. I mean, it's in that we both don't want more kids. Mm -hmm. Yes. In that my weekends with my, my long weekends with my daughter now are much more enjoyable (laughs) because we have two Mm -hmm. Um, and they play together and it's kind of, we have really fun time. Um, But dating, uh, divorced parent has its whole other set of challenges mm-hmm. you know I, it's hard it's yeah. that's hard that's yeah. hard and I it's for for being a hard situation I'm in the easiest one you could imagine yeah you know there isn't any there's not really tension with awesome. her mother we're friends we get along we talk all the time and and so it, it, we're doing great but um I don't know if it's easier <laughs> You know, in certain ways, it's, you know, our schedules are really restricted uh-huh. because of the kids. Um, you know, we can't be spontaneous. Uh-huh. We can't. Uh, there is a free time, too, right? Though, okay, sometimes look, I, I learned about that. I did this article, this column for Cosmopolitan Magazine or for their website called The Secret Life of Marrieds. And I will tell you, and I'm, oh, shit, I I'm this. proving it. I'm, this is I'm, this, my relationship is proving this to be true. Second marriages or, you know, if you relationships where you've already had your children and you bring them in uh-huh. those like the sex is way better for way longer because you do have two days off <laughs> interesting yeah you have just an intimacy and uh a like eye contact moment for once a week at uh-huh. least you know where you're not like kids 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 uh-huh. kids kids like all the time and it, we, that is very lucky I mean I I hope that whatever damage I've done to my daughter by not being with her father. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> but it feels, I do feel really lucky that that, that we have those couple of nights a week, a week that it's just the two of us. Yeah. My, my boyfriend's parents were divorced and he, that's his theory too. He's just like, it just seems like if you, two people have kids and then they're, they have some sort of respite. Yeah. He's like, that seems like the I know. I have a lot situation. of married friends who are very jealous. Yeah. They're just like, wow, you get two <laughs> nights to like 
do whatever you want, you know? I'm like, I know. It just, it's pretty, pretty cool. What else did you learn in that secret life of marrieds? Oh, my gosh. Um, I learned not to judge anybody on their romantic choices. Just, just based on? Based on talking to such a variety of couples who got together and got married in every possible way you could imagine. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, I don't know. I'm just, I love love. I love. Me too. I love love. And when I hear about it from other people and what, however they're getting it, I'm just like, that's so great. I'm so happy for you. You talk I to a lot of happy love. people? Well, that was the thing. The Secret Life of Marrieds, if anyone was volunteering to be interviewed, they were married. So they were like either very happily wanted to be in that relationship at least enough to talk about mm-hmm. it. You know, they weren't like troubled marriages from a few were a few were, but um, but not in a way where anybody wanted to leave or anything. So um, I was very lucky to talk to a lot of people who wanted to be in the relationship that they were in. Um, but yeah, I spoke with people who got married after five days. I spoke with people who got married, you know, after five hours and people who married um there was one couple where the woman was a warden at a prison and married a an guy, inmate? an inmate, who, when he got out. They hadn't been dating or anything before that, but he kind of he kind of tracked her down after he was released, and then they fell in love. Um, you know, a lot of May-December romances. Uh-huh. And, I, like, I don't know. I just, it just really, I already kind of felt that way. Like, I don't really have a lot of judgments about who should be with who mm-hmm. unless somebody's an asshole you know sure. like I don't want people to my friends to date assholes that's for sure I'll put that out there yeah <laughs> yeah but short of that like I don't care how fast you go or yeah you're in love that's great do yeah it however you need to do it and and yeah this couple that got mar- got engaged after five days good friends of mine actually have been married for 30 years what yeah good for them I know well, congratulations to your friends. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming out to Highland Park to talk to me today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This is really awesome. It's really fun to talk to somebody about this stuff that hasn't, you know, just you haven't had kids. So I'm just trying to freak you out. <laughs> <laughs> Mission accomplished. And thank you on behalf of just like all ladies who are so stoked that you wrote about something like that. It's really cool. Well, I'm happy that could <laughs> I mean I would take it back I would not have had that experience really oh the experience not the writing of, about of, it like ruining my vagina yeah, oh, no, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd take my original vagina over <laughs> this any day but second best is being able to tell people about it <laughs> well thank you yeah thanks for having me ah thank you Jane Marie that was so much fun uh want to be your friend um <laughs> as always follow the podcast at reality bites pod on all the socials it's bites with a y it will always be with a y send your digital heart and uh groin stuff your questions your quandaries your compliments to realitybitespod at gmail.com we're gonna do this new thing on fridays where we do a happy hour roundtable, sex in the city style and we answer all your listener questions it's gonna be so dope. Uh, so send us a bunch of juicy stuff that we can dissect and give you advice on on the air. Uh, rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to this fine podcast. It really, really helps. So throw us those five stars. It's Five Star Friday, baby. The show is produced in partnership with Jash. So big thanks to the Talk Show Labs team for all their production assistance. We're going to be back on Tuesday with our next all-new episode, so you're not going to have to wait long. 